Hi, this is Fatima Ramadan, founder of A Woman's Run, and you're listening to the Mountain Movers podcast. This is the Mountain Movers podcast, a platform for you, the ones with a voice to be heard, but no microphone to speak it. This is your time, your chance to become more than they believe you are, more than you believe you are. So let's do this together. Wait, you were talking about running. How's that going? Um, it's going really, really well. Um, I was. It was funny. I mean, I was supposed to run the Chicago Marathon, which was uh, pretty sure it was yesterday. Um, and yeah, my sister and I were going to run it, and uh, it got canceled, obviously, because of COVID. I know. Um, so kind of like around July, mid-July, we're like, okay, let's not train for it anymore because we don't want to run a virtual. And then a few weeks ago, uh, we told our coach, um, hey, we want to run the virtual. So can don't, you... Wait, were you training, though, from July to now? Um, yeah, so I start, started training like around May as like, like a small short buildup. And then we got into mm-hmm. like the real training blocks for the, for the full distance, like in July. And then, so I kind of cut back cause, uh, she yeah. was going to have me train for a, like a 5k, like a speed, like a time oh, trial. Got it. Um, so, I mean, the training was a lot different. And so like, we picked it, like we picked a date for this, for this virtual marathon. And we're, we basically told her, we're like, it's in eight weeks. Um, is there any way you think we could do it? And she's like, you guys are insane, but That's let's try crazy. But, and obviously the training looks so different because like going from like just short and speedy to like longer and like, uh, like obviously like you're going less ham on the pace. So it must yeah. look different, but I'm really excited for you. Is it going to be your first full marathon? Um, no, I, I, so I did one, I did, uh, I ran New York with my sister last year. Amazing. And, uh, it kind of just, that was like my like, stepping stone into running and from then i was just hooked and so here i am just kind of eating away you know i hear you i know like once you get started you're like okay i can't really stop it's really hard to stop and that's it's so weird people go from like being being someone who 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 hates cardio in general and hates running because it's a scary thing and then it turns into their whole world a thousand percent. I could not even relate more. Like a hundred and ten percent. I feel the same way. It's it's a joke. I so I'm like, why why am I running? Like I remember, <laughs> I literally all I knew about running is like me sprinting to like catch a bus, and I'm like, my lungs are burning. I hate that feeling. Like what am I doing? And then here we are running a half, a full. Like who are we? Right. I know. Do you have any Do you have any uh, big things coming up uh, when it comes to running? No, not like, uh, well, I did the speed project and, um, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's, um, more like it's a 31 hour type race and you do it in a group. And, um, traditionally it's like, or pre COVID it's done. Um, I think from, from one state to LA, I, I can't, or Las Vegas, I can't remember. Like, so one from one state to the next and, uh, in 31 hours you need to get there. And usually do it with a group. Uh, so it's in, in the U.S. But this year, obviously, virtual. So we, like, they had teams all over the world. And um, 
we did that and i like i like i didn't like it was like i didn't really train for it either so it was it was fun though it was like nice and i had to do it here in abu dhabi because i traveled and my team was in toronto so yeah it wasn't bad it was fun how big was your team at six we're only six and basically you run it in three days so whenever one of us is running you have to pause and then everyone else pauses and then like like you just uh keep like it's a relay so if i'm running everyone is on a pause and then you, you keep switching i had some friends who uh, who who did that as well and i just loved tracking it on um on uh on instagram basically i mean i saw you running it uh, as yeah. well who was pacing you on that scooter uh, that's my little brother and then one of the, like I had to take my siblings in shifts and it was like such a plus to have like so many siblings because I'm like okay who's coming in for the shift um, and then they had water with them and I'm like okay and then they would take like pictures and I'm like thank you very much so I, I had the whole team it makes it fun and no 100 percent, and I was really nervous because you know Abu Dhabi like the heat is kind of crazy so I was like, I'm not sure how I'm going to perform, but it was not too bad. I mean, I tried to do like some treadmill if it's in the morning and then at night I would just hit the, uh, the, the curb outside. So, yeah. And I mean, you're still alive today to tell the tale. You're alive and you're, um, you're on the podcast. You're yes, on the sir. Okay. Yes. We've been trying to make this happen for a little while now and I'm excited to, you know, finally be getting this going. A hundred percent. Thank you, by the way, for this. And it's an absolute honor. And it's going to be my first podcast, as I told you. Very nervous, but also excited for a raw and genuine conversation. So, yeah. So why don't we get started? Um, just uh, let the listeners in on who you are and what you do. Okay, so um, my name is Fatma Ramadan. I am a Muslim Egyptian. I was born and raised in uh, Abu Dhabi, and I basically started um, a women's collective slash a run club uh, in June of 2019, really focused on women of color and highlighting them and also providing or giving them their due when it comes to claiming their spot in fitness spaces. So um, we've been throwing different activations to allow them uh, or and give them an opportunity to explore their athleticism and also um, get to experience the, the warmth uh, that's cultivated in uh, a lot of the fitness communities. So, yeah. And I mean, I've, I came across you guys on Instagram uh, just through mutual friends. Uh, we have mutual friends in the running community. I mean, we were bound to cross paths at some point and I'm really excited um, to have done that because it means that I get to ask you all these super fun questions. You get to dive into what it is you do and why you do it. Um, yeah. So let's just, let's keep going. Um, mm -hmm. so speaking of a woman's run, um, how did that come to life? What is the inspiration behind it? Um, so yeah, a woman's run is really heavily inspired by, uh, the first, uh, the first run club I was part of, which was the Nike run club. Um, to say the least, it was the most wholesome experience I've ever, like, like in my time in Toronto, it was for the most part, the most wholesome experience ever. Um, so initially when I started running three, four years ago, it was because of a heartbreak and I was like, you know what, I'm going to just get fit and like lose weight. And that was purely like the focus. And then I stumbled in, uh, across the Nike run club and didn't have too much expectations as to what the space was and what I would take out of it, uh, coming out of it. So um, 
basically back then it was a physical space so they offered a bunch of uh, free fitness uh, sessions or events in the city and um when i took part of it uh for like sorry sorry my brother just came in god so i'm sorry okay oh god let me just lock the door god i live with six siblings so this is gonna be fine <laughs> hey that's totally understandable oh god okay here um okay so we were saying um at, at some point I stumbled across the uh, Nike Run Club and to say the least it was the most wholesome experience ever uh, going in I was not expecting too much I mean I've been well versed in like the aesthetic scene um, but I've never really experienced like a run community or just like a sport community before that and so going in I was overwhelmingly like anxious because uh, I'm a visible Muslim like hijabi wearing female and I didn't know, like, oh, like, is there anyone who's going to look like me in that space? But also uh, running is like a foreign uh, and a new um, sport that I was trying to, like, take on. And I obviously, like, put that pressure on me to, like, not underperform because I didn't want to fall for the stereotype of, like, Muslim women not being aesthetic enough or, like, you know, like, uh, they, they, we just don't belong or aren't seen in spaces like this. So that being said... Uh, I did four months with them, and then I trained for my, and I was training for my full marathon. Um, and from, like, the very first run, like, I just remember how much everyone, and obviously they're strangers at that point, they were cheering so hard. Uh, I remember, shout out to Anuja. Um, she, like, slowed down her pace drastically, and she's like, no, you got this. And I, I honestly couldn't even continue the run. I had to quit. But to see how much support and cheering and then later on it becomes like your family your um just a group of people that you always refer back to um and i thought to myself like this is really incredible and especially back then i was going through like an emotionally turbulent time so it really meant a lot to have that kind of support um and then fast forward to the full marathon four months later um I was like questioning myself the whole time uh, during the uh, race uh, or the course of the race. And I was like, I'm going to order an Uber and go home and like um, quit. Like, this is not for me. Um, but I also remember like everyone from the Nike or a lot of the people from the Nike Run Club were like, oh, we're going to be waiting at the 40K mark and cheering. So I was like, okay, fine. Like, I need to do this. And I'm pretty sure I was the last one from the Nike Run Club that was running the course. And they were there cheering so goddamn hard. I literally felt it. And I was like, this is so incredible and so selfless. And I appreciate you guys. And crossing the full marathon finish line, I thought, like, I really just wanted more women of color to experience what I just experienced. This is so wholesome. This is so needed. And, you know, you always think of traditional sources of support as family and friends and um, I wouldn't have thought I would get that from a run community that I just stumbled across. So it was that much more more meaningful. And yeah. It's crazy because uh, just from the story you told, um, these are literally strangers. I mean, and then they become, they become like a, a piece of you. It's like you're running the full marathon with them and they're there cheering you on. They're there running it as well. But it's almost this like greater purpose, this greater sense of belonging. And it's like an uncomparable feeling. It's crazy how much people can bond just through something simple, something simple like running. A hundred percent. I think honestly, like nothing can bring people together like sports does. Like 
um, like sports, like, I mean, with sports, I feel like it really brings everyone to that, like, very vulnerable and, like, raw space, and you're just huffing and puffing next to each other, and pure, like, weakness, but also trying to collectively find that power and strength to make mm-hmm. to, to make it happen so it, that bond is so crazy and as you said strangers at one point but truly like I still have the same friends um and the same circle like four or five years later and we're still running together still biking still doing all these different things and I'm forever grateful for that so yeah because it doesn't matter you know what your skill level it is it doesn't matter what your you know your pace is what time the distance that you run, it's just about getting out and showing up for yourself. Oh, 100%. And you don't really realize it, but you're also simultaneously showing up for the people, like your neighbors running next to you. And so it's like this very beautiful, like collective. And um, yeah, it's like really be- beyond you. So what continues to drive you through running specifically? Uh, okay, running. So um, honestly, I'm not like I'm not a huge fan of the sport. I'm not gonna lie. As much as I still like, purely the reason I do it is because of the people. Um, it's not necessarily like my cup of tea. I, I really find the sport incredibly difficult. Um, but again, it's the people. It's the circle. I'm, if I'm out running, I'm most probably running next to someone else, next to a friend. Um, so it just that that's basically one why I continue to run and why I most probably will continue running. So yeah. So creating a space that has become a women's run, you know, take me through that. How did it start? Why did it start? What was the driving force? Um, I feel like there was definitely a lot of, like, I wanted to prove a point for the larger community in Toronto, like the fitness space specifically. And I feel like I was just like, oh, like, I just want to prove a point that we belong, that women like myself can be in these spaces and can be taken seriously enough. Um, And so I think that's why I kind of also started the Women's Run. Um, And the beginning stages, I remember, so given that I was, like, because I was part of the Nike Run Club, I I didn't really realize how much, like, brands and consumer are prequels. Like, it's, like, the gap is not huge. So um, at some point, I was talking to Mark Nabata and Ali from Nike, uh, I know you had an interview with him, and I absolutely love the guy. He's he's such a hero. Uh, but I had a talk with them about, like, oh, how, how can we, like, uh, start something that is purely focused uh, on women of color and Muslim women? And um, at that point, the Nike Run Club was kind of um, closing down, like, the physical space. So they said, do your thing, and we're here to fully support you. Um, and then uh, a little while later, I think a year later, I mustered up the cords and I was like, okay, let's let's get the job done. Um, and I remember when I first um, told them, it was more of like, can you guys do it? Like, I didn't want to leave nothing. Obviously, there's so much self-doubt there. Um, and yeah, a year later, um, with like tremendous help from friends and uh, also like um, like I remember reaching out to Britt Hearn, so she's a trainer in uh, or a person like a trainer in Toronto, um, and I, I I never really like I met her once, and I reached out to her through, via DMs, and I was like, hey, like I'm starting this uh, super informally, and I was like, I'm starting this, I would love for you to just send us a program to follow, and she was so 
generous and sweet and she's like you know what i i really like um see eye to eye with this with the with, with, with what you guys are doing and um i, I want to just step in also in person and volunteer my time and she basically led all of volume one and two and like all our volumes she's been there with volume she's been there with us um and uh specifically that for his volume she came out and she trained uh, uh the girls to like run the half marathon or the 5k whatever they chose um and so yeah that's that's how we basically got started and and then depending on the volumes we did different things so sometimes it was very run focused and Brit Hearn like led them and then uh, our very last volume or activation it was um focused on black trainers in the city and highlighting them and bringing everyone together uh post the lockdown in the safest way we could possibly get together so yeah wow that sounds amazing I mean, right from the get-go, I feel like people grabbed on to this sense of, you know, it's something bigger than a run group. You know, it's a collective belonging. You know, once mm -hmm. you're a part of a women's run, I feel like you have a, you have a place. A hundred percent. Like, um, I'm like, again, like I've, I've always been in the aesthetic scene. So I've had that like extra bonus that extra confidence stepping into um, a fitness space, even if I really didn't see people who looked like myself. But there's so many of us, and I and I really see, see that within a woman's run. Um, there's so many like women of color that don't actually get the uh, opportunity to tap into these spaces, and there's so much intimidation. I mean, I remember sometimes we would uh, run sessions, and Britt would be like, "Okay, guys, we're going down in a squat and or uh, a lunge," and they're so confused. And at the age of like, you know, you're in your early 20s, and you still don't know what like a squat is or a lunge. So it really just goes to show how much there is a gap. A lot of times when we finally tap into sports, it's from a lens that's, that is very much like, oh, I want to lose weight. Oh, I'm on the treadmill and strictly on the treadmill and nothing more. Um, it's not like there's, not there's no courage and confidence to tap into these other spaces, other perspectives when it comes to like fitness. Like, oh, running is beyond like weight and calories and burning fat and it's about the community. And how beneficial is that to you and your mental health and just your emotional being? Um, so, yeah. So I, I guess it's just, it's more than just, you know, getting out for a workout and more than just becoming a runner or becoming athletic. What does a woman's run really mean to you? Uh, um, okay, so a woman's run, honestly, like in the work I've been putting into it, comes from a very personal and vulnerable space. Um, being a visible, visible Muslim woman wearing a scarf in Toronto, obviously, you are a minority. And I've always put that pressure on myself to kind of represent and show up for the religion. So the whole entirety of it. Um, so it's very taxing because, you know, even if in the sim simple like day-to-day -day things like, oh, I'm walking down the streets and if I'm not having a good day, I feel the need to like make sure like I'm consciously like smiling at, ev at everyone and I don't look hostile or none of that. So with a woman's run, I mean, I really just wanted to make sure that we're visible, that there is representation, that the next girl that is Muslim can feel unapologetic about her identity because I sure as hell don't necessarily feel that that way a lot of times. And I really think through pushing more visibility and 
all of that, it will allow for all of us to feel confident in our identity. And I think we all, sh I, I feel like we all should and, and have the right to feel that way. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess just throwing this question out there, how do you believe we can create a more inclusive space within not only the Toronto running community, but I mean, on a global scale, what can everyone do to mm. make that happen? Um, definitely through visibility and you know we often like I feel like the word is really thrown thrown a lot um, but like when you want to when you come when you come to digest it you do need to at the end of the day feel like you're stepping into a space where people who share similar stories similar politics similar cultures similar teachings similar backgrounds are in that space um, I mean even just like with I, I keep referring back to the scarf because that's like the, the the most prominent thing about I guess my existence but um like even just stepping in and feeling like oh like my scarf is gonna fall off as I'm running and I don't know if I'm gonna look ridiculous wearing all these extra layers on like in a lot of situ in a lot of situations you need to see it to be it so I can't emphasize enough how much visibility um makes a huge huge difference um, but not just visibility within you know the different um events and um uh, activations that may be happening in the city. Um, I, I think also like in making sure that the leads are uh, that same group of, or marginalized group of people that you're trying to now include. Um, and more role models and more people in, in lead positions. Um, and I also want to kind of bring bring up another point that ties into this, which is um, we kind of, we just worked on a campaign with Lululemon and I absolutely appreciate how the whole thing unfolded um, because, you know, oftentimes when you're invited to be part of a campaign, if you're invited, um, it's very like, here's the storyline and we're going to try to squeeze you into it. And I'm speaking as a woman of color now. Um, but with, for instance, our collaboration with Lululemon, I genuinely appreciate how it unfolded because it was very much like, hey, here's a budget. Like, you know what, just narrate your story whatever way you want. And so mm -hmm. when oftentimes our stories are, 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 are tucked away and silenced, um, a better alternative is to be like, just narrate your story with no interruption, with no agenda, with no nothing, and do you. And um, I think that it really allows for an authentic narration of our stories. Um, so you want to see it within, you know, all these activations happening in the city, but also on the media aspect of things and on the campaign level. Um, and yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking of. And I guess that's where you essentially get to speak your truth you know they're giving you okay here's this and you can do whatever you want with it you get this is your opportunity to say what you want to say 100 percent. like and i think you know eventually we put the video out and um we really tried to tap into what home looks like for us as women of color and where we find it whether it's in the people in our food in our uh in our mosques in you know whatever religious space whatever you know all these different spaces and places and people and and all these things that 
set us apart. Um, and to showcase that in the video was an absolute, uh, like it was so sentimental and beautiful. I mean, I would have never really thought I would be seeing like a mosque and, you know, a, a pregnant woman. Like we had Soto, like she was like uh, one of our members and she was pregnant during the shoot. Um, but just showcasing all of that and the, the beautiful range of who we are and was so key and I'm so proud of uh, how how the whole thing unfolded. This ties another point, which is um, a lot of what we're doing with the Women's Run is not just to like focus on, okay, let's improve our physical and all of that, but also on the social media aspect of things um, because uh, like trying to push forth more visibility. And I'm so grateful for uh, the, the instrumental creatives behind the Women's Run, like Dina Nina and Ahmed Hassan, you know, they, with, whether it's this collaboration with Blue Lemon and everything else that we've been doing, they've been so key in translating our work and our stories into these visuals. Um, and I'm so grateful for that. Um, and actually, like, another thing that I'm super proud of is an appreciative of is, like, with uh, the collaboration with Lululemon. I remember, like, at one point, we were like, okay, we are going to gear everyone in Lululemon gear. And, you know, just even having the conversation with them where it's like, hey, can we tap into, like, the men's section for more modest pieces and, like, do X, Y, and Z? And, like, they literally gave us so much freedom. It's not even funny. What I'm trying to basically say is, like, a big thing for, like, specifically, like, Muslim women is, like, modesty, right? And, like, to see how they were, like, yeah, they're accepting and understanding of, like, no, we get it. Like, if you want to tap into, like, the men's section, do that, like, 100%, get your pieces, whatever you guys are most comfortable with. And so that ties in, again, to the point of being inclusive. Like, if you're on a campaign level, make sure the story is told by, like, women of color or by, by that, like, specifically your women of color. And, like, how are you actually catering to them? Like, what are they asking for? And, like, are you meeting these needs? Or you're very particular about, like, what pieces are going uh, up on, like, and, and, or, like, what pieces they're geared in. I know it sounds so dumb, like, then, like, oh, it's just gear, but no, it's not dumb, because for a lot of Muslim women, it's, like, that's a big part of, like, how do I dress up to show up for everyone? That's why it's important to speak your truth. A thousand percent. And so what would you say your truth is? I am a Muslim Arab girl who's really trying to figure her identity out and fulfill all the, um, like, cultural and family expectations and that I have placed on me and as many women of color do. Um, and not to say they're negative things, they're actually very beautiful things to try to fulfill. Um, but in that journey, there's a huge clash between what you're brought up and, and told versus what you experience in, um, in another country, like in, in Toronto here for me. So, um, yeah, and I guess I'm so flawed, but I'm also trying to figure figure it out and, and make sense of the whole journey. Well, I guess that's that says a lot about what we talked about earlier, which was uh, like developing and growing and taking each opportunity and experience for what it is, you know? 100%. In the moment, you don't know that it's going to change your life, but nobody said that it'd be easy. They just... They, they just reassured you that, you know what, if you take this step, if you take this jump, it's going to be worth it. Mm-hmm. A thousand percent. As a guy in the running community, um, sometimes it's hard to understand a woman's perspective. And I, I think a lot of guys might feel the same. So I guess this question to you would be, um, 
just to kind of explain to us guys in the running community what some like harsh realities that women face within the world of athletics that you believe are more relevant than any of us really think? Um, I, I, the first thing that comes to mind is most probably like safety. Um, mm. Like running down, for instance, like at night is obviously like not always uh, a thing you can do as a woman. And uh, in terms of like safety and feeling like you, you nothing will happen to you. Uh, while if you're obviously like a man, there is more comfort in doing that. Um, so you're very restricted as to when you can go down and it becomes less accessible. Um, I can also just speak as to like, um, how oftentimes, again, you're not maybe thought of as, oh, you're aesthetic enough or strong enough. Uh, and, um, you may feel just belittled. Um, so yeah, I guess these are maybe the two things I can think of. Yeah, absolutely. It's something that we hear about a lot. But um, how often we register it, register it is, is, I think, a little different because if it's not happening directly to us, sometimes we'll brush it off. Um, I think that has a lot to do with privilege. And I guess just as a guy um, within a sport that brings so many people together, no matter the race, no matter the background, no matter the gender, um, I think it's just important to remember that we're all doing this for whether we like it or not, we're all doing it for the same reason, right? Mm-hmm. 100%. So, I mean, I used to go to a gym that um, had women's hours, okay? So within the day, a few days a week, the gym would block off, say, an hour and a half for just women to go and work out. Um, and this that would piss off a lot of guys, if I'm being honest. Like, some guys wouldn't really understand it. But can you kind of give me the a woman's perspective on that? I feel like just the gaze of a man, like oftentimes it's like, I, I'm not asking for it. Thank you so much. And I just want to carry my workouts in peace without feeling like I'm being stared at or, you know, just bothered by anyone. Um, so I, I feel like that is something that women deserve and it should continue to happen. And quite honestly, like I also like to take advantage of them as a, as a hijabi woman, sometimes I just want to work, work with my sports bra, work out in my sports bra. So, um, and you know what? I didn't really realize, like, especially when you're weight training and all that, like how much, um, how more, how much more in tune I am with the workout when I, I'm seeing myself like work out with less layers on and I can see what a muscle group I'm working on as I'm doing it. So, um, yeah, I think why not? We should continue having women at women's hours. Yeah, so I think that's a, that's an important factor. I mean, we should all feel good with what we're doing. So have you had any backlash with having a run crew that is strictly for women? Um, not really. And to be honest, the from the get-go, I, I know it's like a woman's run, and it's called that, and it's specifically catering for self-identifying women. But the goal was never to necessarily separate. And, and my goal also um, moving forward is to uh, make sure that like with our activations, yes, it's focused on women, but we can also th uh, throw um, events here and there that bring everyone together. Um, I don't really think it's very realistic when it's like just exclusive to like one gender. Um, at the end of the day, life is happening and everything around, like we're engaging with men and women and everyone. So I, I, like the idea of excluding was not the goal as much as, hey, like this is just a space for you to find comfort in and find confidence in and get that extra boost to tap into all the existing 
spaces that uh, are in the city that are most likely going to be mixed spaces. So, um, yeah. What would some of these events look like to you? If you could dream up anything or if you have some in mind, what would some of these events look like that you hope to host in a COVID-free world someday? Oh, yes, COVID free. I can't wait. Um, mm-hmm. You know what? We actually threw an event now. Remember, like thinking back there, we in volume, like in the very beginning in volume one, we had um, an event in collaboration with Sidewalk. And that event was, you know, we had like 50 athletes come in and um, uh, and and it was both men and women. And uh, it was so beautiful because, again, a lot of um like I, I I would say specifically here, Muslim women, and especially when it comes to modesty, they shy away from working out in um, spaces where men are in because oh, like how's my body moving? How am I looking? Like uh, and and what does modesty look like in these spaces? So to see us like bring everyone together, and there were a bunch of women of color in there, um, and, and it was just so beautiful. And I think that's what I'm envisioning moving forward. And. So even if we're uh, running a session that is purely for self-identifying women, it'd be like the goal again is to get them confident to tap into all the other existing spaces in the city. And honestly, there's so many like great run clubs in the city that offer like free programming and free sessions um, all throughout the week. I mean, pre-COVID and hopefully post-COVID, but yeah. Yeah, I think uh, especially uh, I'm not originally from Toronto. Uh, I'm from Ottawa. And being in Toronto the last few years and being in Toronto, especially in a big portion of my development as a runner, has really opened my eyes to the the community that there is here. And I think you creating a women's run as a space for people to essentially feel comfortable is the best thing you could do. I appreciate that. That means a lot. Of course. So let's take it back a little bit. How about we rewind and... uh, we talk about uh, yourself before a woman's run. What were your interests? What were you into before running as you were starting to get into running? running? Talk to me about your journey to date. Ooh, okay. Uh, definitely, again, like very into the aesthetic scene and just like any sport I can be a part of, I was part of it. Um, I mean, you know, being born and raised in Abu Dhabi, like it was such a privilege and I had a beautiful childhood there and then I moved to uh, Toronto for university um, at UFC Scarborough and I remember just moving out um, alone and leaving my family. Um, Super excited because I mean like any Arab kid leaving their family it's like as as much as I love love like my siblings and my mama and my baba but I was like you know what I'm just so excited to have my own room and freedom and let me do my own thing. Um, But you know what I didn't really realize like how much and like of an emotional toll it took on me like just leaving everything behind and like tapping into this new space and academia abroad um and at the same time um i had just like lost my father uh so it was um in- very emotionally like uh, turbulent and i as usual threw myself back into sports um, and really found a home within it. And again, like back, what, like at, that, at some point, I again stumbled across the Nike Run Club and all these different run communities. And that's why the the support and um, 
and, and the circle of friends that I met through these communities like resonated with me so much. That's why if I found someone cheering or just like, you know, waiting behind for me to uh, keep up with the, with, the, with, the, with the group, it was like, oh God, like, I appreciate you, you know, I, I needed that. So another big part of also moving to Toronto, it was that kind of cultural um, clash um where like you know i it was uh, being like a, a muslim raised kid in the middle east everything was so straightforward i mean you see everyone around you almost doing the same thing and the same teachings you've been brought up with and then toronto was like like the absolute opposite where it's like you see a range of people doing all like practicing and, and carrying on with life so differently than you are um, so it, it's not to say it was a negative thing, uh, on the contrary, like it really opened my eyes to so much, but again, it really also added to how I felt, um, and how I was absorbing life and how it was like very turbulent. I was like, what's happening? What are all these options and who am I and what's my identity and how do I want to present myself? And it also got me questioning a lot of things that I would do, like, without thinking much about, for instance, like my scarf and uh, being a Muslim. And, you know, it, it, it wasn't like, like it was like, I wasn't necessarily doubting it as much as like, but wait, what's my purpose? Like, what's the purpose behind what I'm doing and how I choose to practice um, my religion? So yeah, it was a lot of questions. I feel like a lot of questions that we all think of and like, we'll like have to like, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, can you relate to like maybe something you were brought up told, like, you have to do this. Uh, and then for a second there, you're like, mm, why? Like, what am I doing this for? Yeah, I mean, I guess just as, uh, I mean, I have two sisters. Um, I think my development was kind of different than some people, you know? Like, I I, I played soccer. I, you know, did um, karate. I mean, I, it was, it was, it was different. And then my sisters were always into dance and I found dance, um, when I was nine years old and, uh, never in a million years did I think that that was something that I wanted to pursue. Never did I ever think that that was something that I would take, you know, into high school, after high school, into university, and then find a job, uh, like out of university within this, this craft. Um, 100%. I guess just like reflecting on that, it's like you're you're always developing, you're always growing, and there's always something new that's going to come your way. And it's just about how you absorb it. It's about how you uh, decide to look at it. Because mm-hmm. running came into my life at at a very just random time. I mean, like it's not like someone told me, "Hey, Jake, you are going to become this driven runner." And it, it's going to fuel a big part of your life. I would have, I would have just laughed. I would have, yeah. I would have, I wouldn't have believed them. But these things come into your life at one point, and you're just, you make a decision. And once you go with that decision, that's what dictates the rest of your life. You know, it's how you, it's how you learn from things. It's how you, it's how you look at things, right? A hundred percent. And as you said, I feel like it's that one decision that you made, and it makes a huge shift in like what's coming like you're out there like right now for instance like clocking more mileage like sacrificing on like maybe so time that you could be socializing or focusing on other aspects of your life and I actually always think back to this because you know as I told you like running for me in the beginning it was like purity like I want to lose weight and get fit and if if it wasn't for a friend of mine saying like her name is Asura and she's like yo like uh, we were doing a treadmill workout and she's like let's do a half marathon and 
I was like, are you like, are you dumb or dumb? Like, no, like, thank you. <laughs> like, obviously, no. And, um, and you know, a few weeks later, like, we signed up for a half marathon and we did it. And then what came after, like, from a full marathon to uh, being part of this different run community, so also, like, starting a woman's run, I'm like, what is, this? like, again, it was one decision and it just, like, I can't, I don't know, I'm, I mean, I don't know what life would have looked like if, if I wasn't doing, if, if I didn't yeah. make that decision. Like, it's so interesting. Absolutely. It, it, and, and I mean, once you make one decision that really impacts your life, you start to look at all these other choices you make from a different lens. And it sort of encourages me to not push it on my friends, but like support them in honestly anything. And it's really easy for me to to say like, hey, man, like, let's go for a run together. You can do it. You're so capable. You're way more capable than you think. Um, and then from their perspective, they're sort of in a place that's like, no, I'm not a runner. No, I can't do that. No, I can't. Yeah. No, that's so true. And I think, as you said, like, we all started thinking like, oh, no, like, um, you just deemed that milestone, uh, like, out of reach. And you're like, no, I can't really run like a full marathon or just I, I don't see myself as a runner. And so to see yourself like break through that and like make it actually happen, you're like, that's crazy. I love that I got to access and, and see that part of me that is so resilient and uh, determined and disciplined to make that happen. And I just want more people to see that. And and the thing is, like, it actually transcends beyond sport and beyond running into all these different aspects of your life, whether it's like relationships, uh, relationships, like small habits, like everything. It really does transcend. So um yeah like it's 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 not just in sports and I think that's why I'm so passionate about this because it genuinely really is beyond running and I guess if you say it is beyond running is there any places that you hope to take a woman's run that kind of transcends athletics Ooh, you know what I wanted to it's a very selfish thing but I like through it I just want to find myself and other women that are part of the women's gen, more, I want us to grow more and more unapologetic about our identity. Mm -hmm. Um, I want us to like, also just like be so unapologetic about claiming spaces and not doubtful and trust and believe that we're actually going to break through all these different milestones. Um, you know what, like, I mean, also Women's Run is very much like catering for, like, the regular schmegular girl who's going about her life, and then she has, like, an hour or two to, like, kill and show up to a run. Um, but I would actually love to, like, through a Women's Run, see, like, also more women be, like, elite runners or, like, elite athletes. Um, and I think it's this is the first step into making that happen. Um, so, yeah, like, I, it's, I think these are, like, my goals for it. Mm -hmm. And just to emphasize what you were saying about claiming space, it's it's one thing to show up for yourself. It's one thing to show up for other people around you, but to continue to continuously do it, it asserts this type of like, I'm sure that this is where I belong. I'm sure that this is where my place is. I'm sure that this is what I'm meant to do. And you claim it and it just becomes without even voicing it, it becomes comfortable. 100%. And so I think it's just great what you're doing with a, a woman's run. Honestly, I think I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm excited to see what you do. And I think 
I can I can I can speak for this myself. Creating the Mountain Movers podcast was just it started off as this I just wanted to talk, you know? Mm-hmm. I wanted to talk to people and I wanted to share stories. And I'm like 30 plus episodes later, almost a full year and That is crazy. I don't want to stop, you know? And it, it and it's it, it's taught me so much about myself just like I know a woman's run has and will continue to teach you about yourself. I, like I fully relate to that because like I really did see myself grow through it, but also like working with the team, like with a women's run team, uh, Dina and Amal, uh, and how much it really pushed us out of our comfort zone. And again, a lot of times when you're, as I'm sure you can relate to the podcast, like when you're doing something that is so foreign and new, um, a lot of, but also like it comes from a very like from a space of like a need like it's like oh I, I saw that there is a gap that for instance like for you like I saw a gap and I wanted to build on the podcast community and for me I felt like there's a huge gap where I didn't see like a lot of women of color take on like um, like fitness uh, like uh, like a, like they're not really part of the fitness scene so it, it comes from a place that is very vulnerable and so it always is very um, sensitive and um, yeah. So moving forward, I know you've talked about uh, where you hope to take it, what you hope to do, and the kind of atmosphere that you hope to create. I guess um, with that being said, what are some ambitions you have? I know, I know that you, um, as an athlete, have, have goals. What are some ambitions you have personally moving forward? Um, definitely none that are running related because running for me is not like, like I'm not, I don't look at it competitive, uh, but maybe are you asking outside of running? Yeah. Just in general. Okay. So outside of running, I really just like want to focus on like, I absolutely love weight training uh, and strength training. So just focusing on that. Um, but I also do horseback riding and it's been something I've done in the past and then stopped for a minute. I would absolutely love to be like a professional horseback rider or show jumper. Um, and I'm back at it right now. And hopefully like if like a few good years and I'll be that, but that's like my personal goal. I love that. Do you have a horse? I don't, uh, but we like there's, um, so I'm in Abu Dhabi right now and we just basically go to an equestrian club and take a horse and then attend a session or two. That is so, so cool. I had no idea. It's, it's so much fun. All right. Just before we wrap things up, what would you say to anyone who may feel scared to do what they love? I will say just do it. So cheesy, but honestly, just do it. And do it with a group of people who see eye to eye with you and are willing to support you. Also do it with people who share that same goal. That makes the journey so much more sweeter. And this is, again, where we tie in community and how impactful it is and I can't like again like I really don't think I would have made a full marathon happen if it wasn't for the Nike Run Club or or that run community that I was a part of. So show up, do it, show up. And I know in the beginning it's going to be very intimidating, but so is everything. But you have to go through that to like experience the the fruits of and and the beauty of uh, showing up and doing the thing. That is so well said. Thank you so much. All right, so just to wrap things up, we're going to get into the mountain minute. So this is a rapid-fire round of questions, super simple, just to kind of get the audience to connect with you on a more personal, less serious level. Are you ready for this? Let's let's do it. Here we go. This This is is the the mountain mountain minute. minute.
three, two, one. Favorite movie? Uh, probably an Egyptian one. It's called uh, Asmit. Favorite food? Uh, again, an Egyptian dish, uh, vine leaves, uh, or anything seafood. Go to breakfast. Um, I wish it was my go-to, but it's too bougie. Uh, I mean, poached eggs. I'm mean, not bougie. It's just so much work. Favorite song. Um, okay, I'm the cheek. Okay, so um, everything is Egyptian today. But um, there is this like genre of music. Music. It's called Maharaganot, and it's like pretty much like heavy on autotunes and um, it's very street music. So I think that would be my guilty pleasure. What is your guilty pleasure song? Oh, I literally just answered. Wait, what was the first one? Favorite song? Yeah, favorite song. My, my, oh, the first one is my favorite song. Okay, sorry, because I answered that for... I, That's okay. okay. So my favorite song? Okay. I don't think I have one. Favorite day of the week? Um, uh, um, uh, no, Friday. Friday, yeah. Least favorite day of the week? Monday for sure. Favorite color? Uh, black. What time do you usually go to bed? 12 a.m., yeah. What time do you usually wake up? 7 a.m. If you could make any animal your pet, what animal would you choose? Horses, for sure. If you could change the stigma around one thing in the world, what would it be? Um, woman of color and how cool we are and worthy. Yeah. If you could trade lives with anyone for a day, who would it be? Uh, my mom or dad, because I really respect their hustle. If you could have any superpower, what would you choose? Um, to bring like instant peace to all situations and everything. Sweet or salty? Salty. Coffee or tea? And coffee. Rain or shine? Shine. Day or night? A uh, day. Favorite number? I don't think I have one. <laughs> Where do you want to travel? Mm, anything with beautiful nature, like Switzerland, I think. Yeah, probably that. Fill in the blank. This podcast is? Wholesome. That's a good word. I like that word. I appreciate you. Honestly, thank you so much for this and for being so patient and for all the time and effort you're putting into it. Like I, We see it and we appreciate you for it. Hey, right back at you. We see what you're doing and we appreciate it. And if I'm being honest, we are a better community for it. So never stop what you're doing. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you for your time and uh, have a good rest of your day. You too. Take care. Thanks, guys, for tuning into another episode of the Mountain Movers podcast. Now, if you are an iTunes listener and you enjoyed what you heard, please feel free to, you know, leave a rating, leave a review. Let me know what you think. Ratings help this podcast grow, which essentially will grow the Mountain Movers community. And that's all I can hope for. Building this community where it's okay to be heard. It's okay to open up and let people know how you are, how you're feeling, what you're up to. Until next time, keep climbing. Love always, Jake.